Welcome to the SAHCC Voices Podcast. I'm Marina Gonzalez, President and CEO of your San Antonio Hispanic Chamber. Now is the time for us to pull together. This podcast will bring a variety of topics to help us rebuild. We are here as a resource for Hispanic-owned businesses and those working in the Hispanic market. We focus on small business, economic development, advocacy, international trade, education, and leadership. So take some time to listen and learn, but most importantly, to remember that we are all in this together. Welcome to the SAHCC Voices. I wake up and I kind of reflect on what I've done the past day. Ideally, I've done something to move the needle, but there's always more work to be done. Welcome to the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Voices Podcast. I'm Dr. Sandy Wolf, and I lead strategic relations and member partnerships at the Chamber. Today, we're excited to speak to J.R. Trevino, the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber Chairman for 2023. Welcome, Chairman. Hello, Dr. Wolf. So good to have you here. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So I really want to just jump right in, get started, and make sure that our audience really gets to know you. I've known you for a long time, but let's get to know you even a little bit better. I know you grew up in San Antonio, so let's start where everybody else starts in San Antonio. What high school did you go to, JR? I went to Antonio College Preparatory High School in beautiful Castle Hills, Texas. Now, have you always lived in Castle Hills? No, so I actually grew up just outside of Castle Hills, and I always told my parents that it would be so cool to live in a small city, and they're like, but that's for rich people. Interesting, but you live in Castle Hills now. But I don't feel rich. So where did you go to college then? I went to Baylor. Okay. And what did you study at Baylor? So I got a double major in marketing and management. Now, what led you to think about marketing and management? I think I say what led me to Baylor. That's a a more interesting story. Oh, okay. Tell me that. So I followed uh, my girlfriend at Baylor, which I realize is frowned upon. But in my mind, it was a little more calculated because I realized Baylor was a good school. I had an interest in business and they have a great business program and uh, everything works out for a reason. Good. And so marketing and management, and you came home to a family business. I did. Now, how long have your, how long has your family had the business? Uh, 33 years. Wow. So you kind of knew this as a young child that this was, had always been really your family business. Just to clarify, I didn't know that I was going to go into the family business. It's not till I took my first business course and I saw how complicated it is to start a business that I started questioning why I'm going to go start a new business when there was one that I was already born into and had done work. Yeah. But so our family's uh, business is Traco Enterprises. We're a commercial general contractor and we're a small family owned operation. So I consider us like a boutique general mm-hmm. contractor. And then we can specialize in whatever it is that we want to do when we can work with whoever we want to work with. But you've had some big contracts too. We've done some big work. We've done a lot of federal work. Uh, we've done commercial, dabbled in residential, which reminds us that we don't want to do residential. Why not? Residential is a little bit different. People don't always know what they want. And so they're figuring that out as you're going through the project, whereas commercial has brand standards, design standards. and You're working with an architect. You're working with people that have done this multiple times. Exactly. And they know that they want to go with blue 6782. Yeah. So the professionalism is a little bit different. And not that it's not for construction companies to work with residentials, but that's not really your focus. Right, exactly. Okay. So you've been with the company now. Too long. 14 years, 15 years. That's fantastic. So you are the chief operations officer, which is amazing. Your mother and father still work for the company. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And so what are some of the things that you focus on day to day as the COO? 
So like any small business, I wear a lot of hats from looking for work and bidding jobs to maintaining jobs, building relations, and then also being the face for the business. And recently you told me that you really didn't have much of a break because construction doesn't really sleep over the holidays. Yeah, exactly. I mean, anytime that everybody else is slow is a time where people want to get construction done. Many people may not know that in addition to your family business, the work that you do in the community, being the chairman of the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, that you actually serve an elected office. So tell us a little how that happened. Um, it was a beautiful accident. Okay. Um, so we were actually doing some work for the city of Castle Hills, and I got a chance to talk to the people there at the city, and they started telling me about some of the stuff that was going on with city council and at the time, I was 24, 25, and I said, well, somebody should really do something about what's going on here. Did you have issues with just like regular, as a construction company, like permitting or anything like that, like within City Hall? Or was it more that people were just complaining about you, how things were working? Uh, I had no issues with construction, you know, uh, or living there in my own cocoon. Uh, ignorance is bliss. And so it wasn't until I heard about the... I guess the forces that city council was applying in the way that that had ripple effects with the staff. And so that's when I said, well, somebody should do something. And I said, well, why don't you? And I said, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm not going to come in here if, unless I can make a difference. And they said, well, you know what's happening isn't the best way to do it. And you know that you would do it differently. And I said, oh, I guess that makes sense. Well, without getting too politically personal there, um, did you just see that it was more of an antiquated system and it needed to evolve, um, that it needed to take in more of um, the community perspective? No, I think it was more personal, okay. which made it worse. You know, I don't necessarily think because antiquated is bad, but uh, the personal aspect just got to be where it was kind of cancerous in the organization. In such a small city, we don't have a lot to spare. You know, we have a small staff, we have a small community and once that gets in there, it's just it's creating all kinds of problems. How long have you been mayor of Castle Hills now? Um, in May, will be four years. Wow. So you're up for re-election soon. I am. Okay. Well, best of luck to you. We're excited for, to watch this. What are some of the priorities of a suburban city that people may not think about? I mean, you know, a lot of our listeners live in a suburban city, but we think we live in San Antonio. So how does that really differ? For suburban cities, the, it's so much more fundamental. You know, it's streets and drainage, potholes. We don't really get into all the additional services that the bigger cities do. So for our objective is the core tenants. It's streets, drainage, and public safety. So, yeah, I don't think people come up to the mayor of San Antonio and say, hey, I've got a pothole in front of my house. Can you fix it? But I bet they run into you at HEB and say, hey, mayor. Exactly. And for us, our goal is while we don't do a lot, we want to make sure whatever we do, we do really, really well. And for example, our police response, police and fire response time are two to three minutes. You know this, you used to live in Castle Hills. I used to live in Castle Hills. My whole family used to live there. And you've done a really, really good job with just improving, I think, the emergency response system there. You've had a really good city manager for a while. I think putting a good team around you is probably paramount to that. What are some of the other things that you've done in just the short time you've been there? So the city manager, I want to double click on that if I may. Sure. He's our longest serving city manager in 20 years. Uh, and he's been there five years. And that's just to give you a small glimpse at how tumultuous Castle Hills has been for the last two decades. Do you see stability now? Oh, 100%. And so going back to your previous question, one of the things that we've done that I'm really proud of is we've gone and borrowed debt. Historically, the city never borrowed debt to do streets and drainage improvements. 
And so now we're actually able to really move the needle. And that must have been a pretty big hill to climb. It was. So the first time we borrowed debt was 2020, which kind of um, people were, had other issues. Right. Yeah. No one wants to say, hey, wait, we're taking out a loan. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they had other things to worry about, which I understand. So the last time we borrowed debt, which was last year, um, somebody challenged it, raised a petition. So it went to a vote and it came back at uh, overwhelming margins at Yeah. And like you said, priorities of streets, drainage, public safety, I think will always be paramount for suburban cities. Um, And this is allowing you to continue that work. So congratulations. That's exciting. Thank you so much. It might not be sexy, but it's exciting. (laughs) Okay. So I know that you're also involved in other boards. You participate at a high level. Tell us about some of those things and why those are important to you. Um, So for me, it's really important that I don't get siloed in construction or in business. And I want to make sure that I'm sharing my time, talent, and treasure with uh, other organizations. One of them is the Family Violence Prevention Services, also known as Batter Women's Shelter. And uh, the one that I just recently got onto is Workforce Solutions Alamo. That one's really important to me. Obviously, I'm business-oriented, but I feel like there's potential there for small businesses to capitalize on some of the programs that are being uh, offered that I don't think that as many small businesses are taking advantage of. Give us an example of, of some of those resources. So for an example, uh, currently Workforce Solutions Alamo offers a program called on-the-job training. So they will reimburse a portion of the employee's salary back to the employer as a good faith effort that, hey, we're going to want you to bring this person on and train them and teach them something. And if it doesn't work out, at least they walk away a little bit better off than they came in. And they cultivate, I mean, their main goal, right, is to cultivate employees for employers to put people to work. Absolutely. And one of the beauties is they have wraparound services. So it's not just that, you know, if you need help with your car, for somebody that's going through a rough patch, it really helps make their life a little bit easier and focus on what they need to, which is their job. Yeah, and they also do, I think, some certification programs, too, to help people be certified. And I would think in the construction trades, that's particularly important. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about Family Violence Protection Services. I know that that is one of the things that we've seen a real uptick in need over the past few years. What's some of the work that they're doing right now? I mean, so our, our flagship is uh, the Better Women's Shelter. And it's unfortunate that domestic violence is as high as it is, or that it even exists at all, honestly. But our CEO, Marta Palaez, who is a force to reckon with. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's extremely dedicated, and she's often said that, you know, we have XYZ capacity and that she will never turn anybody away. And so for me to know that she's that driven, that it's not just talking about it, but she's also putting her um, money where her mouth is, so to speak. That's the kind of organization I get behind. I saw her over uh, the holiday break, and one of the things that I know that she was excited about is to bring back the Nutcracker Suites fundraising event, which is, remind me, it's a bunch of local chefs Mm -hmm. that put together all of their desserts. I think it's dishes as well. Yeah, and I, I have been to that before, and it is amazing. But we forget sometimes that the that the pure fundraising aspect of organizations like Family Violence Prevention Services. It's so needed. So thank you for the work that that you do there. So every year at the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, we invite our chair to pick a theme that's going to kind of take us through the entire year. Can you talk a little bit about what your theme is going to be this year? Absolutely. And I I appreciate your influence on that. Uh, So the theme is building our future, and honoring our heritage. The idea is, I think that we need to stick in our lane. What we do is small business. 
And we have a lot of history here. I love the idea of the building because that's what you do. You're a construction guy. Um, but the honoring the heritage is kind of fun. Yeah, and I think that goes back to looking at our roots and why we even came into existence. And I think that there's a, our, our predecessors have done amazing things, and it's important that we look back and see, you know, why we came into existence and are we still on track and are we still doing our job and are we doing what we need to for those that need us to do it? Yeah. And I think, of course, there's always room for improvement. And we are very lucky at the Hispanic Chamber. We have very engaged members and they will always let us know what's going on and what they need. Um, one of the things that we're constantly working on is educating people on what a Chamber of Commerce does. And one of the things that we know we need to do and we will keep doing is being that resource for small business. They basically say, hey, these are the things I need access to. Can you help me get them? And we are really happy to be able to do that. Let's get back to you and a little bit more about your priorities as the 2023 San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce chairman. What are some of the things that you want to focus on this year? So my biggest one is trying to bring together the different Hispanic chambers across the state. Yes. And I definitely want to talk about the Texas Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Coalition in just a second. That is a big effort. But other than that, getting all of those chambers together, what are some of the things that you want to work on a little bit more here locally? So one of the things that I see, and I'm sure you have seen too, is that a lot of times boards become like a rubber stamp. And so people start questioning, why am I here? What am I able to do to provide my value? And how do I fill up my tank that I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. And so my goal and what I've charged the board with was to figure out what they want to do to move the needle for small businesses, small minority businesses in San Antonio. That goes into the committees and we've asked each of the committees to identify goals so that we have metrics and we know that where we're going. It's not just, hey, let's all help the business community. It's what are we doing? I want to make sure that, like I said, they have their fingerprints. They can look back in 2024 and know that they made an impact and they can see how they were part of that. One of the things I like is that you've kind of tasked each of the committees with not only really reporting back to the board every month, but saying, what are some of those tactics that you're working on to complete those goals? What do you think some of those goals should be just off the top of the head in some of those committees? I know that's like, I'm kind of putting you on the spot I here. No, you promised not to put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, you know, the objective is, I, I, I don't want to tell them what to do. I just want them to take kind of note of my vision, which is supporting small businesses and really having an impact. Yeah, I like the idea of having true committees and working committees. I mean, we've all, I think, been on boards where sometimes you're an advisory committee and you sure. just have to kind of show up and listen and participate at a very low level. But I like the idea of saying, no, we want your participation at a high level because we can only get better if everyone is engaged. Um, there's a reason that people are chosen to be on a board and we want to hear from people. So yes, I'm excited to, to watch you work this year. And so I think of everything in terms of newspaper headlines. And so whatever's going to come out of this group, is it something that would make a headline? That's kind of my my unofficial litmus test. And I think that's just the, the lens that I want to encourage people to look at things through. Is the community looking at us? Do we have something to say that is worthy of community support? Absolutely. I like it. 2022 was a very interesting year for Chambers of Commerce, to say the least. At the Hispanic Chamber, we were so excited that we continue to see this incredible growth in our membership, in our engagement, and even in our overall revenue. Our CEO, Marina Gonzalez, is well into her third year leading the Chamber. What do you think are some of the factors that have improved under her leadership? Basically, what made you want to be chairman at this time? The time had come. 
the time had come. Uh, and I, I say that just because I've kind of worked my way up. Mm-hmm. You know, I start. I joined the chamber in 2010. I just came in off the street looking for a way to connect with the community. And from there, I had somebody tell me about the Brisenio program. And so we're having lunch and she's saying, Brisenio, Brisenio, Brisenio. And you're like, hey, what is that? At, at the risk of sounding ignorant, what is Brisenio? And she's like, well, how do you not know? And I said, well, you know, I'm kind of new back in San Antonio and this wasn't my community. And she said, well, you know, it's Alexander Brisenio Leadership Program. It's a great program by the Hispanic Chamber. And so I applied, and then from there, the staff suggested that I look at LSA, so I applied for LSA, did that, uh, went back to serve on the Brisenia program on the steering committee, served on the steering committee for LSA. So you got like full into basically the leadership programs of the Hispanic Chamber, and then our partner program also with the San Antonio Chamber of Commerce. So for those of you that may not be familiar, uh, LSA is Leadership San Antonio. That's a partner program that the Hispanic Chamber has with the San Antonio Chamber. And then the Alexander Bersenio Leadership Development Program was based on the ethic of former city manager of San Antonio, Alex Bersenio. What are some of the things that really drew you to the Alexander Brasenio Leadership Development Program? You know, truthfully, it was just a really good entry point for me as a young professional that had just got back into San Antonio that wanted to connect with people. And I look at back at it now, the beauty of the programs is that we're all so siloed in what we're doing. So going into these programs where they encourage diversity in every aspect of the word, uh, it really helps to make sure that you're connecting with people outside of your your bubble. Yes, and as one of the longest serving city managers, uh, Hispanic city managers of any uh, U.S. city, he wrote this beautiful outline of how to lead with heart. And I really appreciate that a lot of the participants in his program have kind of stepped outside, taken a big view and said, you know, how do I lead with heart? What are some of the things that I need to incorporate into my management style so that I can become a better leader? And then, so you also decided to, after participating in the program, to serve on the steering committee. Mm-hmm. And then you did Leadership San Antonio. Mm-hmm. I was with you on the steering committee of Leadership San Antonio after that, yes, 45, 45, longest class ever, because yes. <laughs> that went on for two years. Yes. Um, and then when I came to work at the Hispanic Chamber, I got to oversee the program all the time now. So we're doing some great things with LSA, which is a wonderful program. I think that you need to start thinking about Latina Leadership Institute. For those of you that may not know, that is our other uh, program, our leadership program right here. Maybe you need to step onto that steering committee sometime in the future. I'm here to help whichever way I can. So a little while ago, you said that you want the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce to have positive headlines, meaning that we do the good work of the community that people are going to notice. Recently, there was an article in the San Antonio Report about the Chamber's new initiative, the Texas Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Coalition, also known as the THCCC. The goal is to represent Hispanic business group, and it looks like over 10 Hispanic chambers across the state will be joining, starting with this legislative session. I know our CEO has been cultivating this idea for a while. I know you guys have been working on it. As a mayor of a suburban municipal and part of a Hispanic-owned business, what perspective do you bring to the coalition and what are some of the topics that you'll be advocating for? First of all, I have to give credit to Dr. Erica Gonzalez. This really kind of was born of her idea that she had a conversation with somebody and said there's no Texas Hispanic Chamber of Commerce because a lot of other states have Hispanic chambers. But no one said let's get all of our Hispanic chamber 
gets together across the state. Let's get all of our Hispanic groups, business groups across the state together. I haven't seen that done. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where it kind of came from organically. And we realized that there's potential there. And as the oldest and largest Hispanic chamber in the U.S., why wouldn't we start? Here, here, Dr. Wood. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the idea is that and this is a lot what, from what I've seen with the cities is that cities are so small, it's really hard for us to make an impact, but it's when we work together that we have a more united voice. And so it makes sense that we would do this with the Texas Hispanic Chamber of Commerce because I think at the end of the day, all businesses face a lot of the same obstacles. And so instead of us fighting our battles individually, let's go forward together. So what are some of those obstacles? What are some of the things that you faced at your work recently? You know, I think one of the biggest things is taxes. You know, and so any kind of meaningful tax relief goes a long way. One of the problems that we don't talk about is being in a small business means that you have to be an expert in a lot of things. So while Dr. Wolf might sell Mini Coopers, it's not just about selling the Mini Cooper. It's also about being a marketing professional and being a legal professional that you know when you need to go to somebody else. Right. How to do the finances of it, how to do the accounting of it, how to pay the employees, benefits. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot to it. And so I can see when you were thinking back at your time at Baylor and you were taking those business classes, when you start learning about everything that a small business takes and that your parents had kind of already done for you, yes, that's kind of nice to say, you know what, I want to jump in there and help um, instead of starting from scratch. Yeah, I don't know if I'd ever be able to start my own business, to Absolutely. be honest with you. And the other thing that really scared me is that, you know, statistically, it takes two years before a business can return a profit. So if you figure that some of these businesses are in their infancy starting up and then they're hit with taxes and all the different types of taxes. Or they're not prepared. Or they're not prepared. So making sure that we're doing our part to support them and give them a voice that they didn't know they had. I mean, for the longest time, my family didn't know about their voice. They would just do their work. And focus on that. But in my involvement and in hanging out with distinguished leaders such as yourself, it's given me an opportunity to learn that we can also impact legislation and the way the rules that we operate under. Yeah, I always think that sometimes our elected officials, our legislators can be a little bit removed from what's really going on in the trenches. So it's always important for our small businesses to have a voice and say, let me tell you what's happening with us. Um, We had one of our members last year talk about just the difficulty he had with hiring in his restaurant. And, you know, it was also post pandemic and there was a lot of people that just were unsure about going back to work. Um, But he said it was kind of ridiculous that he had this huge stack of applications. He only got about half of them to show up for an interview. And then half of them he would want to inter- he would want to offer a job and then even maybe half of that would actually show up for the first day of work. And so those are some really complicated issues of how do we, you know, retain, recruit employees that maybe some of our legislators are not really hearing about, but they can help with us through various bills and things like that. So one final question for you, Mayor, Chairman, friend, JR. I don't even know how to address you because you just carry so many great titles. JR is just fine. Okay. appreciate that. Um, What gets you out of bed in the morning? What motivates you to kind of get out and take on the day? I thought about this question and I think the answer is just more. You want more for? Everything. Like I want to serve more. I want to do more. I want to have a bigger impact on my community. And I think every day 
I wake up and I kind of reflect on what I've done the past day. Ideally, I've, I've done something to move the needle, but there's always more work to be done. Yeah. The list is never ending. I always say, if your list is done for the day, then you're dead. <laughs> well, it's like my dad says, if you don't have anything to do, come talk to me. I'll find you something to do. Yeah. And I don't think you'll ever have that problem. No. As we wrap up, I just want to go ahead and thank J.R. Trevino, the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber Chairman for 2023. Thank you so much for joining us today, J.R. Thank you, Dr. Wolf. Always a pleasure. Thank you to our audience for tuning in today. This podcast was developed to cover the experiences, advocacy, resources, and best practices of business and leadership in San Antonio and across Texas. The San Antonio Hispanic Chamber is the leading resource for Hispanic-owned businesses and Hispanics in business since 1929. As the oldest and largest Hispanic Chamber in the U.S., we invite you to join us. For more information on membership or events, please visit sahcc.org. The SAHCC Voices podcast is available anytime on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast platform. We hope we left you with some knowledge to take on the day and look forward to having you at the next podcast or event for the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Hasta la próxima.